I was devastated when the meds finally kicked in because it was evident to me that I'd wasted nearly 10 years of my life. You're listening to the Examine Life podcast with Matt Purcell. Our first episode with Mark Boris went number one in Australia on the first day of its release. And I just want to say thank you for everyone who tuned in. We had a staggering 21,000 listeners listen to that episode with Mark Boris and I. The feedback I've been getting from everyone from Australia has been amazing. And I'm very excited about this episode with Osher Ginsberg. Or you might know him as Andrew G back in the day when he was on TV for Australian Idol or Channel V. He was always on TV when I was growing up, whether it be hosting an event or the biggest music shows or whatever. He was always around with his big smile and his his hair had a big long fringe back then and he was always a hilarious guy and brought a lot of energy to the screen. And while everything was looking good from the outside, the real picture was that he was really struggling. Panic attacks, weight issues, and he had tried for years to drink away his anxiety and depression and he writes about this very very bravely in his new book called Back From The Break, which is his new memoir book, which went number one across a lot of platforms in Australia. He ended up unemployed, divorced, suicidal, and he managed somehow to be able to put the broken pieces of his mind back together and make a life for himself again. Like, he lives with mental illness, and he is trying to navigate a system and create accountability for him to stay on the narrow path of wellness. Before we get into this episode, I really want to get into this important topic. Do you know that 3 million Australians live with depression and anxiety? Like, anxiety is the most common mental health condition in Australia, and it affects 1 in 4 people, 1 in 3 women, and 1 in 5 men. 2 in 5 Australians will experience a mental health condition in their lifetime, and that's increasing. Did you know that 4 million Australians have a disability and 90% are invisible? You know what? When you hear about a celebrity going through what Osh has gone through, he may just be one, just one sample of an Australian citizen who is one of those 3 million people. You know, like being a celebrity or being famous or being rich does not make you immune to struggle, does not make you immune to having divorces or having um, mental illness. And I think there is a stigma toward our celebrities and our stars in our Australian culture, which is is disgraceful. We tend to throw stones at people if they have their private life publicised in a way which seems, you know, like it hasn't gone well. And I think we need to be mindful of people like Osher, which this guy is opening up about his story. You're going to hear this. He's opening about his life, about his struggles. And I think it's quite inspiring. There are people like Osher everywhere around you. And it's really hard at the moment in this landscape to even bring up a conversation about mental illness. I'm also mindful that this episode may trigger some people to feel a certain way or to want to reach out for help. And I am going to mention some people, some sponsors on this episode that are in line with the topic. And they're very, very great people. And the services uh, exist to really help you through your struggles and get you back to a good place and sustain you there. I want you to call this hotline if you want some support. It's called the Mental Health Access Line. It's 1-800-011-511. That's one 800 011 The Mental Health Access Line is actually ran by the New South Wales Health 
and directs the person to immediate care options within the public health system. So these people are trained professionals in the mental health arena and I think by far I recommend this hotline to help you with whatever you're going through right now. One last thing to mention before we get into it, Osher and I are having a conversation on the beautiful lounge at QT Bondi Hotel and it's in the foyer area so there is some noise, there is some traffic, there are some bumps, it's pretty authentic and raw in there so please I hope you don't mind the audio quality for this particular episode. There's some video clips and snippets of our interview at Bondi, it's a beautiful backdrop. I encourage you to go check that out on the YouTube channel, The Examine Life with Matt Purcell. Without further delay, please enjoy this episode with Osher Ginsberg. You've been everywhere at the moment, man. I, yeah. I, I've got to say, man, because I've just met you, but like, I'm super proud of what you're doing. Thanks, man. I really mean, I really mean this from the bottom of my heart because we live in this culture where people are afraid to... It's not really common to share your stresses or your struggles. Mm. I mean, and, but what you've done in your book and outlined some of the struggles you're going through is just quite the authenticity in it. You know, the, um, re- the realness of it is rebellious <laughs> in the best sense. So well done, mate. Like, how, how's the response been? Have you had people reach out to tell you this? Yeah, too? very much. Very, very much. Um, so, well, firstly, thank you. Thank you very much uh, for saying so. It was really scary to, 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 to write it, but I feel that in many ways writing a book like this has uh, allowed me to go, all right, this is now the foundation on which the next thing gets built. Mm. All right, and um, it's definitely, and you, you say you're everywhere. Well, it was definitely by design. Mm. You know, we, this is all very planned. It's very strategic. <laughs> it's, been a year, it's been a year in the making. Yes. Um, these these weeks that we're in the middle of, and um, yeah, I, I believe uh, Tim Ferriss would call it surround sound, or I think it was Ryan Holiday, maybe one of the two of them called it come, come out of them, come right. out and surround sound. So as many places as you can be around the book launch is is what you want to be, and. It's all part of, you know, a couple of years ago when I started on Bachelor again and I'd been in America and I'd been on quite a spiritual quest and I came back, I'm like, hey, by the way, my name's different now. Um, <laughs> that was very important to come out fairly large there and and now it's definitely a bit of a an opportunity to kind of change gears a bit and um, set the scene and set the stage for the next phase of, mm. of work. Yeah. that I get to do, which is largely based upon the podcast, which is mm. like 250 episodes as we speak. Yeah, it's huge. And, mm. um, you know, that, that work there is resonating with a lot of people and the book is an extension of that, which yeah. I'm really grateful for. And uh, essentially it's, yes, it's uh, an authentic conversation, but mm. I think that from the response that I've got, people yearn to know that, oh, life is sometimes quite hard yeah this idea of this utopian everything's going to be all right yeah bob marley vision um, yeah it fails a possibly lot not exactly real yes and that life the joy of life is indeed in overcoming adversity daily mm. all right um and that is that is what life is life mm. isn't this verdant green meadow meadow that you walk through and you know the sun's setting and everything's incredible and you know food's always on the table is no that, that's you know it's kind of boring mm. <laughs> um, yeah and that yes life can be difficult um i mean shit man i'm white i'm male i'm straight uh i got born into a middle class 
family into uh, you live in Australia in a oh. country that is safe and and prosperous and has clean water coming out of the tap. So me talking about life being difficult is, you know, a crock of shit. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, but in context, it's, a, it's important. Our... It's important to understand that. Um, yeah, this idea of like things are going to be great when it's like no, mm. even then things suck. Yeah. You know, even then things suck. You, you, you don't have to go far to find someone who's got more money than God and is still sad. Mm. <laughs> so just yeah. it's just trying to have a conversation about um, trying to make it more normal to have a com- hear a conversation about mental illness and maybe complex mental illness, mental illness. Yeah, trying to have more of a normal conversation around complex mental mental illness so that it becomes more normal to hear a conversation yeah. around complex mental illness and then hopefully it becomes okay to start a conversation about yeah. it and I think that's what the the main thing is that's kind of just around you go, oh yeah I've heard someone talking about that psychosis thing it's not what I thought it was I thought it was this thing that I saw on a Netflix documentary once and on a you know with a, a, a gritty and you know interview of a bloke in a prison cell no that's not it at all yeah um, you'd be amazed at how many people walk around managing managing yes. with psychosis see that's the thing um, mental illness isn't like it's not as evident as say like someone's missing a limb uh-huh. or someone's blind or yeah. it's um, it can be hidden and, and misunderstood and when you talk to people on the street or just the general public I mean I was talking to someone the other day and they were saying oh mental health's on the rise I'm like mental health's on the rise no, that's a good thing if mental health's on the rise because mental health's good it's about wellness but you're talking about mental illness you're talking about challenges mm. with Oh, I guess that's, yeah, that's what I meant. It's like, well... Perhaps their conversation is like, well, there's so many people talking about it, it must be more evident than before. Mm. No, it's always been that way. It's always been that way. Uh, And the effects upon our society have always been there. Mm. Um, But now we're finding ways to identify it and and talk about it. Um, And exactly right, if it was a physical ailment, if it was a visible ailment, no one would really... If Joe um, has a broken leg and he's got in a got in a cast, we're not going to go. Why don't you run, mate? You lazy. Like, what's wrong with you, mate? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. But if if Joe's dealing with a generalized anxiety disorder and mm. Joe's cast looks like um, medication that helps his brain heal, just like his bones would heal. Boom, boom. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, this is fine, man. It's just another thing. It's just yeah. a thing that's going on with you. Mental health is health. Mm. Yeah, mate, that's so true. I'm loving, I'm loving the message, and I'm loving that you are, I guess, using your opportunity, your platform influence to be able to set that tone to the masses, to you know, really make people like who are quiet in their room right now, who haven't told anyone about their problems, feel more certain. I'm grateful for that, and I'm grateful for that because uh, when it, when I started experiencing symptoms that were very, very serious and quite life-threatening. I did not realize how seductive those symptoms would appear and mm-hmm. I felt this extraordinary need to, to uh, alert people to that. Uh, not like when I was going through paranoid delusions and I wanted to run up in the street and warn people of impending doom, not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize, oh, hang on a second, we've got to be careful of this, this is how it presents. Mm-hmm. Um, so from that moment I knew I had to talk about it and that I've been very grateful i've been you know gratefully mostly employed for the last 25 years in in broadcasting and um so you know obviously i'm not just pulling stuff out of my hat i'm you know trying to repeat a message that uh, i have learned from and have been garnered from very many smarter people than me about um mental illness and awareness of mental illness and symptoms and taking control of those symptoms and and 
getting your life back to you, having more control over your life because mm. life's too short not to be in control of it. That's very true. Well, I, I found it pretty surprising. Some people might too, actually, is work or being on stage in front of the camera was actually a thing that made you thrive even through a lot of um, the things you were going through like you've written in your book. Yeah, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. I ended up getting paid for my coping mechanism, which is uh, <laughs> fascinating, yeah. Uh, what is anxiety? For me, anxiety is a lack of control. Anxiety is a lack of, you know, not knowing what's going to happen. And mm. for me, um, being on stage, when am I more in control than when I'm on stage? When am I more in control when I'm on camera mm. or on a live television audience, you know? So... It's a much healthier relationship I have now to work, but for a long time there, that was the only thing that made things go quiet mm-hmm. and the only thing that made things be, feel better. So when did you think it started getting harder, like to the point where you couldn't really um, manage it or you weren't, you, know, you weren't really coping because you've been in showbiz a long time. Was anxiety there from when you were a kid? Was it, did, it, what, did it kind of emerge and be created when you went into showbiz, when the pressure got... Um, no, anxiety was always there, when I was, and I write about that in the book. Anxiety was there when I was a kid and all mm. through primary school and high school it was there. Um, I used a drug to manage it that is a very socially acceptable, widely available drug, mm. and commonly... Uh, referred to as alcohol yes um, and I no one seemed to bother I mean I, I drink to excess and people would warn me and go hey man are you sure you want to do that to yourself all the time um, but that's I, I started to use alcohol to be able to cope um, but, uh, then so it was actually running on the beach down here about to be honest about 300 metres from where we're sitting mm. that one particular day I think it was around 2000 and it was about six weeks after John Howard won the election in 2007. No, it was before Kevin 07. Yeah. It was before Kevin 07. Too, it was right three, before that. Or... Oh, no, it was that yeah. night. It was, Kevin, it was the night Kevin... So six weeks after Kevin won. Mm-hmm. Um, about three, three, three weeks after Kevin won. I was running on the beach down there and I had essentially... Uh, I had experienced anxiety, I experienced panic, but I'd never experienced the true, true physical symptoms of having the feeling of someone putting their hands yep. around my neck mm. and pushing down on my chest yep. as if someone was actually touching me. That was the weirdest part. It was actually a tactile sensation. Wow. And um, I basically ran from the beach up to my house, that house there, and called my doctor and I said, I have to see you today. So that's the day that I, I whatever drugs I'd been using, alcohol mainly, um, couldn't do it anymore so that's when I started taking medication mm. on that day and um, it got it was really it was really quite bad mm. um, at that point and um, unfortunately it, it got worse because mm. <laughs> I didn't take my treatment seriously <laughs> can you can you touch on that a bit more just with the medication because I know there may be an audience out there that there's there's two sides I see with with my work I see one is one side which are like man meds are really important yeah. like really important and they really assist to be able to get you up and to move on and to be able to start doing the things you know you need to do and another side that just don't understand right like, I don't need meds no meds right, aren't right, for right. me I'm what I would say is that I've been in both camps I certainly avoided medication for a long time when it was first offered to me in 1999 I turned it down mm-hmm. and I was devastated when the meds finally kicked in in 2000, early 2008 mm. because it was evident to me that I'd wasted nearly 10 years of my life 
yeah. trying to trying to muscle through. Um, I would say in the same way that we talked about someone having their leg in a plaster cast, um, like I did my ACL, my anterior cruciate ligament, snowboarding one time, mm. and I had to wear this big metal brace on my leg. All right, for about ten weeks, mm-hmm. while my muscles learned uh, a safe plane of motion and mm. strengthen in a particular plane of motion so that when I took the brace off, they would utterly support the structure of my knee and do a lot of work that the ligament could no longer do. Mm. That's the same thing that meds do, mm. all right? Mm. Meds are the knee brace, yeah, all right? Yeah. And your psychologist is going to the physio and doing your rehab. You've got to do the work. You can't just take the drug and think it's going to be fine. Yeah. The meds are essentially like... Um, the plaster cast you wear if you broke a, if you broke a bone, it gives you that strength and support for the thing to heal. Mm. Um, but I prefer the the bracing or the strapping tape. Right, it's a thing that gives you support while you do the rehab to strengthen the joint or strengthen the muscle back into a safe plane of motion and a strength. You know, so there's strength around that, so that when you do come off those drugs mm. or come off the strapping, that you're able to then move safely again without. Without the strapping. strapping All right. So I was 100% prepared to be on meds for the rest of my life. Yep. Um, it turned out that I got, once we changed hypothesis and changed the medication protocol, I actually started to get a lot better quite quickly. Mm-hmm. And we were faced with um, a balance of, it was like any medication comes with side effects. I mean, like even, even ibuprofen. Yeah. Um, it can destroy your stomach. It's a great anti-inflammatory and it can help you sore back, mm. but it'll destroy your stomach. Yeah. Okay, so you can't be taking it all the time. Mm. So in the same way, like when I was, at one point I was on four different kinds of medication and I'm very grateful for it. Two of them were antipsychotics. So two different kinds of antipsychotics and on SSRI and, and something else, I don't even remember what it was, um, what kind of classified classification of drug it was. But I was so grateful that I was on those drugs because it, it just helped me so much just to exist and heal. Yeah. Because I wasn't constantly having to lift all the weight of holding these thoughts back the whole time. Eventually, I got a lot better. And at first, if 100% of the problem is the horrible, uh, like, ruminating anxiety thoughts, all right, and then you start taking medication to mitigate that, 20% of that problem goes away, but that's replaced by the side effects of the drugs, but you don't care. Mm. Because you're now, you feel 20% better. Yes. Yeah, All right. And then as you get better, you're like, oh, wow, that only 60% of my problem is these horrible thoughts now. And oh, I've got these side effects that now I'm starting to care about because I feel so much better. You know, I care about the side effects because at the first, I didn't give a shit. Yeah. I was like, just get the drugs in me, stop these thoughts because they're stopping me from, uh, I couldn't engage with the world. Yeah. I couldn't talk to, I could barely work. Um, but after a while, you know, I got, I got better enough to the point of like, I'm actually doing okay. It's still a lot of work, yeah. but I'm doing okay. So maybe we could see about, maybe we could see about, you know, working these, this medication down to a, a different level and see how I go. And then it was about over the course of nine months, we eventually came all the way down. Wow. Um, and so I, now I, I live a life without medication. Mm-hmm. I would go back on it tomorrow if I needed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a big difference between not taking meds and not needing to take meds. Yeah. To stay not needing to take meds, there's a number of things that I have to do every single day. Yeah. And they include making sure I get enough sleep, making sure I eat right, making sure I have some sort of physical exercise every single day, 
making sure I, you know, meditate, do my journal, set about my day with purpose, yeah. try and have a good intention about everything and just be mindful and, and yeah. breathe when I need to and, and check in and like, it's still work, man. Yeah. It's still work, but I, I and in fact, sometimes it's more work uh, without the meds, but without that's okay. Meds, yeah. Sometimes that's okay though. Yep. Um, but I would not be sitting here in front of you were it not for medication. No yeah. way. I needed it so badly and I'm so grateful. I'm so, people need to hear this, man. I'm so grateful I did, man. Mm. Uh, especially those antipsychotics. Holy moly, they are good. They really, really worked. They really, really worked. And when they started kicking in, I didn't care about the side effects at all because the thoughts were gone. Mm. And it was just so good. It was finally peaceful. And it was so nice because in that space, I could get about the work of healing. Mm. Like I said, it's not, it's not, you don't just take the drugs and everything's sweet. It's not like an antibiotic that you take and then it kills the bug and then eventually your body recovers. Mm. No. This is a thing that offers, it's, it offers itself as a knee brace or a, a pair of crutches that allows you to get around and then do the work that you need to do to retrain things and help things work um, so you can have a bit more control over your life and how things, um, how things are. Right. Yeah, your wife must be a hero, hey? Oh, mate, she's amazing. Uh, how good is it to have a wife like yours? Yeah, I'm very lucky. <laughs> I did piss her off a bit today. <laughs> So I was, I was really oh, yeah, edgy. Hey, I was really edgy today, and so I, you know, I, you know, I, I can often uh, speak in a tone of voice that I don't intend to, yeah. and, and really turn turn her off, and 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 rightly so. She gets pissed off. She's like, what are you talking to me like for? But yeah. I don't, I don't realise I'm doing it, and um, that can be quite difficult when I suddenly realise, oh no, what am I, what am I doing? Oh, sorry, honey. And then it takes a little while to to work on that. But and I'm very lucky. She absolutely fought. She mm. fought tooth and nail, yep. um, and she was able to see, um, you know, me and what was going on with my head as two different things. And I'm so so lucky for that. I'm so lucky for that. And her compassion and her just just resilience in the face of proper crazy. I was proper crazy. I was on a lot of drugs, mm-hmm. uh, medication. Sorry, when when we met, uh, just trying to hold things down. You know, like a. Like honestly, like you know, you see footage of people when the when it's not quite at the category five cyclone, but the wind is still really high, and you see desperate people on the roofs trying to nail things down. <laughs> you know, that was that was Audrey. You know, she was just trying to hold the roofing down before the right? wind blew it away, what and right? thankfully she did. Yeah, thankfully she did. And you said something. Um, you said a word that really stuck it, which sticks out to me when people say is purpose. Mm. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. Like, like what is what kind of purpose do you give yourself or what kind of purpose have you found to help you? Yeah, a purpose yeah. is, like, it leads back to what I, we, we have two superpowers as humans, I really feel. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is that we will adapt to adversity um, and our bodies and minds will adapt to adversity. And number mm-hmm. two is that we can choose how we see the world. When our brain is well, we can choose how we see the world. Love it. When I was sick, I couldn't, rationalize and that was horrible 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 because I could see there was a truth but my brain couldn't accept it and there's an extraordinary pain between those things it took a long time for me to be healthy enough healthy enough to be able to choose how I saw the world Um, but that's that's really really powerful that we get to choose like what's what's the thing Um, a really simple way of choosing your purpose is changing the word to changing a vowel O to E, mm-hmm. I've got to go to gym, or 
I get to go to gym. I've got to take the kids to school. I get to take the kids to school. Nice. I've got to get home. Oh, I get to get home. You can change your purpose. You can change how you see something. And that is a superpower that humans have. That is. We choose how we perceive things. That is, yeah. All right? We can choose to be a victim or we can choose to be a victor. We absolutely can. We, oh, bloody hell, I got fired. Screw them. Or, well, this is exciting. I now have an incredible opportunity to do something new. Brilliant. It's up to you. You can sit in the mire of disappointment and sadness. Oh, I can't believe, I know this happened to me. I can't believe I got divorced. That's the worst thing ever. Or, well, I now get an opportunity to figure out why that happened. Mm -hmm. I get an opportunity to figure out in me what led my actions to have this relationship fail. How I now get an opportunity to try and make sure that never happens again. I'm very lucky. Mm -hmm. Right? It's all in how you see it. And that's, that comes back down to purpose. You know, we have, you know, choosing how, the purpose of which you go about your day. Um, I, I just try to be of service to people yeah. and I try, I'm a selfish bastard, all right? So yeah, I try right. very hard to be actively of service to others uh, mm -hmm. as much as I can. And I try, I try, I just try very hard to just, yeah, just that, just, and, and be prepared, basically. Um, that's the two things I really, I really try to be. Um, but yeah, when it comes to the, the other superpower that we have, which is our ability to adapt to adversity, mm. um, that was a real key in helping me get better. Just remembering that this is a thing that me, as a species of the human race, as, a, as an animal, that I have this extraordinary ability to, ad to adapt to, to adversity. So if there is this colossal fear, let's say, for example, I'm terrified of, of yellow pillows, all right? Yep, yep. So I'm terrified of yellow pillows, all right? I can be, oh, I'm never going anywhere near the yellow pillow, mm -hmm. all right? But then what does that prevent me from doing? Seeing or exploring any part of the world that exists from that point on. Yeah, prisoner. Yeah, yeah you are. exactly. Yeah. So I can turn away from it and feel safe, but what am I doing? I'm, and every time I turn back around, this thing's gotten bigger because like, oh, it's the pillow, it's the pillow. Or I can edge towards it and feel a bit uncomfortable and then the next day actually I feel okay in this place now I'll edge a bit towards it oh this is uncomfortable uh, and then the next day same space I'm a bit okay and the next day slowly 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 to the point where oh I'm over there now look at all this possibility that exists so good we're, we're pretty lucky we're pretty lucky that we have that inside us that's what I'm um, in therapy call um, exposure therapy I've been through it you've been through it mate. <laughs> oh boy I've been well, through it um, I've helped a lot of people through that process too where um, I know coached a boy who's been housebound, a prisoner of his own house for 17 months and was a, he's a bright kid. Like he's year 11 at a grammar school and he just had a breakdown and he, and he was terrified of go out and he hadn't seen sunlight for so long. Yeah. And the, one of the first things of his program was to go outside and touch the letterbox and come back. Yeah. You know, and yeah. then go for a lap around and it was just yeah. little tiny wins. Yeah. And our bodies are the same way. Like we mm. might think... I'm just in this extraordinary opportunity. I had this extraordinary opportunity to work out with two brilliant coaches and, and um, get to the point where they, I was, you know, had a rig enough. I was rigged up enough to go on the cover of Men's Health magazine, yeah. uh, which was pretty I rad. That. I saw you absolutely uh, lucky. You're absolutely, it was pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> um, but that's an exact. That's a perfect example that our bodies do the same thing. Mm. Um, like, and if you look at the before and after photos, you're like, well, clearly the guy in the before photo. Like he would probably go, well, there's no way I can ever do that. You mm. can, 
you just push your body to the point of, it doesn't have to be extraordinary discomfort, just a little bit of discomfort, mm-hmm. just a little bit, just 5% more than you did yesterday. You were saying about adapting. You, yeah, yeah. Adapt but then your body goes, oh, if this is what we're going to be doing, then we'll adapt. Yeah. And then the next time you go, all oh, right, this is our baseline now, let's go a little bit more. Uh, and, and that's... And you're a little bit more resilient every yeah, time. every time. And you're expanding slowly your your experience of the world and what you can then provide and be there for others. Uh, and But just, just trust that your body and your mind can can cope can like that's the number one thing that was super super weird when i was going through all the illness is that my brain was trying to tell me i'm the only person this is happening to no one else knows what it's like and it's never going to stop wow all right it's permanent but that's an utter fallacy all right Mm. the truest thing i can say is there's no mental state is a permanent state that's as as difficult as it might be to conceive at the time because you're in it and you can't perceive anything but this as reality yeah, it feels horrible. Yeah, it feels like it's never going to end. But it actually is. But right now, you can't see that. Yeah. You know, you can't actually... You don't know what you don't know. And that point, your brain is at a point where you, you can't actually see that. It, uh, it, it won't be like that forever. It's convincing you that it is, but that's the, that's the sickness telling you that it is. It's kind of like a devil. You know, like in the, in the, Christian, in the Christian realm, um, Satan was an angel of light. Uh, Lucifer actually means angel of light. There you go. So it's like um, it's like people think the devil's going to appear with horns and can be obvious. Yeah, right. But the idea is, no, it will come in a, a form of light. Yeah. You'll be like, well, listen, it's all right, man. It's the night's young. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> ah, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. No, yeah. it won't be. And just remembering <laughs> that, just re- remembering that, and it's the same. You know, that's the same when I was in those really dire, dire times of my brain trying to really do horrible things to me just remember that this this thing telling me it's never going to end is actually broken right now so why would i believe it mm-hmm. okay it's like you know i um i had to stop drinking and mm-hmm. the tricky part about alcoholism and this is the really difficult part about alcoholism the number one symptom of alcoholism is it's trying to convince you that it isn't there that's the number one symptom. It's like, no, you're fine. Have a beer. You'll be sweet. No, I won't. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's really, you know, that's, 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 that's really powerful. And that really helped me as well. I was really lucky that I got sober before I got really sick um, because I used a lot of those skills <laughs> that I learned in sobriety to cope with what the hell was going on when I flipped into psychosis. Osher was recently on the front page of Men's Health magazine and displayed his weight loss journey from how he's putting on weight from his medication. And now he's not on medication and he really attributes a lot of that to his diet and his workout routine. What I love about this is that physical exercise has been proven by scientific research to improve your mental health and manage your mental illness. How do we get motivated? How do we get into a place where we can stick to a routine and not quit? I would only recommend Coaching Zone and Genesis Gyms across Australia. Coaching Zone is a brilliant way to be able to connect with other people, be held accountable so you have the motivation from your peers, you have a dedicated trainer and coach, and there's guaranteed results or your money back. So group personal training, so you have this heart rate technology, so you have live feedback during every workout in the app and all the screens around you. It's an amazing, amazing achievement what they've done here. Um, There's nutrition, so there's access to world-class nutrition in a portal, so you can swap out meals and generate shopping lists for the family or if you're an individual. And also there's individual coaching, so in and out of sessions, constant contact with your coach and guaranteed results. I really think 
the group personal training and the combination of individual training and the measurable scientific progress that you can see from each session is really the difference with Coaching Zone and in Genesis Gym. So I want you to look up at Genesis Gym and go to Coaching Zone. So genesisfitness.com.au, find your local gym and join this amazing program which is guaranteed to give you results and hold you accountable and, and get you to where you want to go. When you were going through a lot of the, um, the process, like you were on your, your medication and yeah. you've seen your, your doctor and therapist, um, how many, how many uh, people were around you that knew of this? Like friends, just friends or your wife? Um, or my, she was my girlfriend at the time. So yeah, Audrey definitely knew. Audrey knew everything from the start. Yep. Um, so Audrey knew, my, uh, my, brothers, my brothers knew, mm. uh, my parents at the time. I told both my parents what was going on. They're both doctors. Mum's passed away now, but they both knew what was going on. Um, and work. Yeah, I told, yeah, I told work, I, and then and I can't be more grateful for the enormous support that I got from um, both Network Ten and Warner Brothers, just letting them know. So hey, just so you know, this is happening. This is what's going on. Um, this is why I'm having a hard time fitting into the suits because I'm on these drugs that I put on a kilo a week. Wow. <laughs> just so you know, but they keep me co- they keep me cool, um, and the support that they gave me and allowed no, knowing that they could trust me to manage it and that I would still show up and I'd get the job done. Uh, and that was really great, having somewhere to be, something to do. It was very, very important. And they were brilliant that they gave me sure that support. They were really, really yeah, good. But kudos to you for actually being upfront about what's going on because I, eventually it would have, some things would have surfaced. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. But I think it's, it's like anything. You know, if, if, say, for example, I was a type 1 diabetic, all right? Mm-hmm. Say I was born with it and my insulin response was need, needed to be externally controlled, right? Mm. And I was sat in front of you and I just necked donuts and drank a litre and a half of Coke in front of you. Make you feel uncomfortable, all right? Because <laughs> I clearly know that there's something, my body doesn't respond very well and I'm clearly doing something that is very detrimental to me, all right? Mm. Yet, if I, if I know I'm a type 1 diabetic and I take care of what I eat and I take care of what I drink and you know that I work out and I'm maintaining you know, a constant count of what I'm eating, Everyone's fine. I was like, that's cool. They're managing it. Everything's good as normal as you were. Same thing with mental illness, right? If you're trying to go, no, I'll be fine. I'll, I'll just drink my beers and I'll be sweet. Like, no, people no. get weird. But if you go, no, 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 I'm seeing this doctor, this doctor, this doctor. Here's the things I do every day. Here's the drugs I take. Here's my protocol. Here's what to do in emergency. Everyone's fine as far as I'm concerned. That's, yes. that's, in my experience, everyone was good. If they can see that you're taking it seriously and you're managing it seriously, then everyone was all right in my experience. And that's good advice for anyone listening because... I know that Mission Australia does amazing stats Australia-wide and the number one concern with mental illness is anxiety. Yeah. In, in schools as well, because I work lots with youth. The number one concern from their surveys, the youth that voted this, is they're anxious, they're stressed, but I find a lot of them, they're not telling their parents. Right. They're not telling anyone. that They're forced to go to the doctor yeah. because things have escalated so much out of uh-huh. their control. Yeah, it's just, it's like anything. You know, yeah. if, if you broke a leg and you went, nah, I'll be right without a cast, people would be weird. No, you yeah, really need don't. to, nah, I don't need doctors. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you know? <laughs> same, same. You know, if, if you're experiencing this stuff, don't be an idiot. Go to a doctor. You don't have to live the rest of your life like that. There's very, very clever people who studied for decades while you were off partying that know how to help you. So let them help you. <laughs> yeah, man, it's- 
No, but um, what would you say your daily routine would look like? Do you have a daily routine right now? You said that there's some things that you know you need to do yes. to make you feel good and win the day. Yeah. Is there, you outline a little bit at the start, but like, like Tim Ferriss does it all, right? You list, you've mentioned Tim Ferriss. Ah, uh, yes. I'd love to ask you a Tim Ferriss question. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. What routines and daily rituals have you got, mate? <laughs> well, I have, uh, I have a daily ritual. My daily rituals are pretty interesting at the moment. I have a, a challenge going on with a, a fascinating Australian that I'm very grateful to know. Um, one of Australia's most successful entrepreneurs, actually. His name is Ido Leffler. Um, him and Lance Kalish started Yester Carrots, and they're freaking amazing guys. And they, they, build, they just build businesses centered around giving back to the community now. They love that. Ido... Ido challenged me the other day because I, I was telling him that um, he was talking about you know making time for workout and I said well you've got to have a habit trigger man do you, do you boil a kettle in the morning do you wait for a microwave for your breakfast do you turn on a coffee machine when you get to the kitchen yeah how long do you do that what, how long does it take to warm up two minutes do some squats turn it on do some squats and so I'm currently doing these squats which is really interesting <laughs> it's, it was originally in a, I think a Hindu practice as a, as a reverence to an elephant god you cross your arms hold your earlobes and squat yeah apparently so it's got scientific tests proven before it's wild that it works apparently it helps the, the, the lobes of your brain connect but Ido told me to do it's it it's like antennas then like yeah yeah so Ido told me to do it for 10 days and call him so I normally do I turn the coffee machine on and I'll either do um and, uh, I usually I'll do at least 20 squats mm-hmm. um, and I'll do 10 scat pull-ups on the chin-up bar which is between my kitchen and my yeah, living room nice. very important to put the chin-up bar somewhere where you're going to walk past it all the time mm. alright so and every, just every time I walk under I do a scat pull-up which is really just basically hanging and then pulling my scapula in and going back down sometimes I'll do that and then pull my knees to my chest go back down it takes 3 seconds Wow. and then go into the kitchen and just do that throughout the day um, and then I'll, I'll do 10 to 15 push-ups and then it's two minutes the coffee machine's ready so no matter what happens for the rest of the day I've done those things alright and for some people listening some people watching what I've just described might be more physical exercise than they've done in a year yeah true okay but it didn't start like that it started with three squats okay Mm. if you haven't got a squat available sit in a chair stand back up just do something physical that you are deliberately doing every day um I try to write down 20 things I'm grateful for every morning. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, the day, I wrote about it in the book, the day that um, my ex-wife said she wants a divorce, I called my mentor. I said, hey, man, she just said I wanted a, on a divorce. He goes, ah, oh, that sucks. I want you to write down 10 things you're grateful for. I said, man, I don't think you heard me. She wants a divorce. He goes, yeah, I heard you. Write down 20 things. Because when we write down something we're grateful for, we have this thing we're worried about, all right? So we're worried about this particular thing that somebody said at work, all right? And that can be the totality of what we're worried about. Let's write something we're grateful for. I'm grateful that I have two legs to swing over the bed to stand up. Okay, so I've got two legs to swing over the bed and I've got this person that said something bad about me at work. I've got clean water, I've got a family, I've got a fridge full of food, I've got a house over my head. Okay, so now there's six things in my life, one of them I'm annoyed about, five of them are great. Once you get to 20, you're doing a th- it's, it's actually the form of therapy called um, acceptance commitment therapy and that's a technique called expansion where you're just trying to remind yourself actually yes there's this thing but there's all these other things in your life and you've got room for all of it you've got room for that thing that's annoying or upsetting or sad or frightening and you've also got all these other things that are really incredible 
All right, and that kind of helps set your brain forward. Again, there's scientific research That's behind true. it. Yeah. It's not just some sort of you know crystal, no, dream catcher crystal shit. Like it's actually it's real. It's actually true. No, yeah. <laughs> no, there's a part of the brain called the reticular activating system. Whatever you put enter into your brain, if you have these amounts of things that you want to find, your brain is really good at finding them. Yeah. You know, if we said oh, find the color green in this place, we'll find it easily because we put it into our brain. Fine. Yeah. So that that's so I do. So at least those things in the morning, um, every day I do it at the minimum. At the minimum, I'll do this 15-minute routine on the kettlebells. It's super. It's 15 minutes is all it takes. Um, or oh, 20 minutes with a warm-up. That's all it takes. And it's just like a quick five-minute warm-up of my shoulders, and then I'll just do um, uh, 10 single-arm kettlebell swings aside yeah. uh, five times and then I'll do five Turkish get-ups aside and that's it on the, every minute on the minute and I'm done 20 minutes and I'm done that's it for the day mm. and it's great and what that does is it helps release the dopamine the serotonin the endorphins and the norepinephrine into my system um, which at the time when I was ill those things didn't get released properly but now I'm better yeah. um, they do get released very well and they like this morning I was struggling when I woke up man but then I went I, I lifted some heavy things and then all this stuff gets squirted into your brain. It kind of hoses it all down. Yeah. Ah, okay, yeah. on we go. And knowing that those chemicals are in my brain, those chemicals that can help me feel good and change my mood, and all I need to do is this particular set of movements, and they will appear. That's an extraordinary amount of control to have over it's yourself amazing. and over your mood. Knowing that you can regulate your mood that easily, um, it's great. There are some aesthetic benefits, which is nice, yeah. but it's not about that. It's about, oh, I felt horrible, now I feel great. Yeah. And it was 40 minutes from one to the other. It's cause and effect. It truly is. It's trying to find. So that, that trying, like, that's pretty much how I start my day. Um, I guess the other thing that I would say is if you, don't touch, uh, if you don't touch your lover before you touch your phone, something's wrong. Yeah, so, 100% agree. So, <laughs> just start with that. Start with that. Touch a human being before you touch your phone. Not yourself. <laughs> but even so, you can touch yourself, uh, but don't touch your phone at the same time. I don't mean put it on a laptop stand. I mean, like, just just be within yourself in the morning. Yeah. And it, it, it's an extraordinarily powerful thing to do. Have you got any books that you'd recommend people to... Well, I would definitely say uh, Acceptance Commitment Therapy, for me, that... I was very, very grateful to have read Feeling Good, uh, Dr. David Burns, who, which is a, a CB, CBT guy, big cognitive behavioral therapy guy. Yeah, right. That was very powerful for me. I found that for me personally, I have found acceptance commitment therapy techniques to be far more effective for me personally. Yeah. Um, and there's a book, a really simple book. In fact, I even got the illustrated version because I have a hard time conceptualizing things. Mm -hmm. um, a book by the uh, name of the guy called um, Russ Harris. It's called The Happiness Trap. Yeah. It's a really, really fascinating book. Um, I would definitely recommend um, Emotional Agility by Susan David. Mm -hmm. uh, she's magnificent, extraordinary. Uh, she's from South Africa, PhD psychologist, unbelievable. So much research, so many hours in the lab, and she's just got this conclusive proof. Um, and her hypothesis is that um, uncomfortable emotions are the price we pay for a meaningful life. Mm. All right. So in the same line of that acceptance commitment therapy is like, yeah, you're feeling a bit down right now, but feeling a bit down right now is the price we pay to feel pretty great. That's right. Later. And, you know, gentle and, and balanced amounts of both is actually an okay human experience. Mm -hmm. All right. And to the more we resist the down feeling, actually, the bigger it gets. It's like a yellow pillow, the bigger it gets. So yeah. if we just accept that and just breathe through it and move through it, 
then it actually starts to starts to vanish. So Susan David, emotional agility, happiness trap from Russ Harris. Um, what is another really, what's another one that I got? Which, oh, there's one called Rewire Your Anxious Brain. That taught me a lot about um, my, uh, my amygdala, the difference between cortex anxiety and amygdala anxiety, mm. which was really powerful. Identifying kinds of anxiety has been really powerful for me. Yeah, I know. Uh, identifying parts of like, my bodily reactions, going, oh, oh, that's what, okay, that's that one. Okay, cool, cool. But, you know, there's two different, two different kinds. That was really fascinating, finding out about what's going on in my head. It's a bit. It's a bit, sorry for the puns, it's a bit cerebral, but um, <laughs> it, uh, I found those things to be really, um, really helpful. So those, those three books, I would say for sure. Yeah, I, I love all that. I love that. I knew you'd be a reader. Yeah, yeah obviously. Uh, we, um, we had the privilege of interviewing Dr. Susie Green. So she's Australia's number one top positive psychologist. And she said something really interesting. She said uh, along the lines you said about she's done the research where when you're not authentic, it actually correlates with mental illness. So when you're just trying to force yourself to feel happy when you've just lost someone, mm. that's not normal. You need to feel that struggle. You need the chemicals to balance out because if you are actually happy all the time when you're not meant to be, you're actually more psychotic. You're like oh. a psycho. Like, you're a, like that's the joke, like the epitome of the Joker and Batman. He gets punched in the face and he just laughs. Right. Like, okay. Uh, okay, that's interesting. Very interesting. Interesting. Mate, um, how can we best support you? You're on a big book um, tour at the moment, or your um, big book campaign? Look, to oh, look to support me, just support yourself. Do some things to take control of your of the things that you can control. All right, I know because I've been there. I've been you know unemployed, and I've been mm. you know divorced and single, and I've been sick and I've been on the other side of the world and I've been paying rent out of my savings that wasn't very long ago it's like six years ago mm. um, but every day if you just take control of the things you can control you can control how much you eat yeah. you control what you eat you can control how much exercise you had today you can control how much sleep you're getting and you can control the purpose at which you're getting around your day um, by taking just the tiniest bit of control over those things just every day a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, you'd be surprised when you bring that locus of control internally, how much better your experience of the world can be and how less frightening everything is. This is, you know, I'm not alone in saying this, but it's definitely in my experience. Yeah. Um, so that's how you support me, by doing something good for yourself. If you want to buy my book, buy my book, that's fine. I don't that's mind awesome. if you do or don't. Um, but... You know, understand that you're not alone and understand that if you're feeling terrible it won't last forever so don't go making a forever decision about something that's temporary <laughs> Matt, Matt we're very proud of you man <laughs> hey thanks brother thanks, thanks for having so me it's I appreciate right. it right now we're not struggling for information in our society we actually are having an existential crisis we don't know when to stop or when's enough we often don't know why we're doing what we're doing we often need assistance to be able to answer these questions and i can really recommend this group called possify they're ran by two brilliant women one which i know very well she's a trained psychologist and they run workplace workshops, strategic planning sessions for individuals and in schools across Australia. And basically their purpose is to help identify their organisational purpose. What do they stand for? How do we foster individual strengths and skills? You can't just major in your weaknesses when you want to move into wellness. They offer one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions both face-to-face -face and online to guide individuals through the process of change 
drawing on the science of happiness to arm people with the tools and strategies to suit their lifestyles and goals. Give them a call. Reach out to these girls, thepossifygroup.com.au. Thanks for listening to the Examine Life podcast with Matt Purcell. I've just written a book on mindfulness and mental health. It's basically a little pocket full of practices. It's full of strategies and tactics to be able to help overcome stress, particularly in anxiety. And it's got some philosophical ideas. It's very practical. I'm a very practical person. And I wanted to create a book that is easy on the eye and is very, very useful in everyday life. And that's just $20 online. If you want to jump on my site, www.mattpersoll.com, grab yourself a hard copy or an ebook version, an audio book version is available on there. We've got some great guests coming up on the Examine Life podcast. And if you would like to support and be a sponsor or just support us in any way, how about you reach out to us on email, mail at mattpersoll.com, and one of us will get back to your request. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you guys next time.